0: This is the Nothing But Bucks podcast. Now, here's your host, TJ Reeves. My goodness, what a Sunday at Raymond James Stadium. Look, I promise I am not going to pull out Maximus from Gladiator and ask again if you are not entertained because I don't know how entertained you were uh, versus the nervous breakdown that we were all maybe going to have as the game unfolded with the Bucks and the Browns. But in the end, here's the only thing that matters, gang 26 23 Bucks win. And as Gene Deckerhoff would say, if he was on with me right now on Nothing But Bucks, Bucks win, Bucks win, Bucks win. That's all that matters. Get the victory. However, you can accomplish it, get out there and get the win. And no, it was not easy. Yes, you made it harder, the Buccaneers did. On yourselves, and it probably should have been. Yes, the Browns are lovable, laughable losers and have been for a decade. They invent ways to lose. They have continually invented ways to lose. And if given enough opportunity over and over again, they were going to beat themselves. It was just a matter of when could you take advantage of it and put the game away. You put yourselves in position to do that at the end of regulation, Chandler Zero misses the kick from right in the middle of the field. Game should have been over. Should have never been overtime. You had done enough to win the game. Instead, you get into overtime and you have an awful interception by Jameis Winston. You have every reason to put your head down and the Browns are going to find the way to win the game in overtime, but the defense said, you know what, we've got a new leader in Mark Duffner. We've got injuries, including a horrible injury to Quan Alexander at the uh, end of the first half that has devastated the team emotionally in the locker room. More on that a little bit later on here on the podcast. We have every reason to knuckle under right now, but the defense said, "Nip, nuh-uh, no. They're not going to get a first down, much less get into field goal range. Let's make them earn this win, not on a short field, Great job by the D to give you another opportunity. And then and then the Bucks are unable to do anything with the ball and punt. And then the Browns are the Browns. One more time. Jabril Peppers, thank you on a Monday. Thank you, Sunday afternoon. Thank you on Sunday night for leaving that ball exposed, hanging out there where Anthony Auclair, the Bucks tight end on special teams, could knock it out. Isaiah Johnson, thank you for being Johnny on the spot. We're giving ovations here on a Monday on Nothing But Bucks for falling on the football. Love it. As that set the Bucks up for the opportunity to go get into field goal range and win the game. And look, I know Jameis Winston takes not one, but back to back sacks. And things are looking bleak. But another great lesson for sports and for life it is never over. You're never completely done until the clock says zero, zero, zero or the, the officials say the game is over because it's sudden death overtime and the other team has won. It wasn't over on 3rd and 85 or whatever that was. And uh, honestly, and you'll hear this in our interviews coming up on Nothing But Bucks, Jameis Winston knew, the offense knew, if we can get this somewhere around the 40, the 41-yard line, we're going to have a realistic chance for Chandler Canton Zero to be in range, little bit of wind at his back, to make the game-winning field goal. And thank you, Browns, that they played off enough in coverage that Deshaun Jackson could get open and get, what, 14, 15 yards back that had been lost in the sacks and set Canton Zero up for the chance to kick a 59-yard field goal? Look, I believe they were going to try it maybe even at 60 or 61. They were going to try it. But there's no way you're going to try the field goal if you're on your side of the 50. If you're at your own 49, 48 or worse... They were probably going to punt with a minute and a half left or may have gone for it, hoping for a flag, something else. The box in that moment with time winding down and under a minute and a half to go in overtime. I don't know what they would have done. Shoulda, coulda, woulda. But certainly if this, if this had ended up being a 65-yard field goal, you probably don't try it. Thank you, Browns, for the cushion that allowed Deshaun Jackson to get the catch and get it close enough. And thank you, Chandler Canton-Zero, for making... A a tremendous strike on the ball that had just enough draw on it like golf. I'd love to tell you it looked like one of my seven irons recently or eight irons, but I haven't played enough golf recently to be playing the draw. I'm just playing the, hey, let's try to get it on the green shots right now out of the fairway. But that was beautiful. For about 50 of the 59 yards, it looked like it was headed right at the right upright. And the last nine yards, oh, there's a little draw, there's a little fade. And you'll hear Chandler Canton Zero here on Nothing But Bucks in a little bit talk about that. Anyway, glad that you're with us. Know that you're uh, celebrating, that you're excited if you're a Buck fan after the win. Uh, I have talked with a great number of people post-game, last night, Sunday night, Monday morning. And look, there is some reaction about how does it take almost five periods to beat Cleveland. Look, at the end of this season, coming up in November and December... They're not going to ask how and if it was pretty and did everybody approve of the way in which the scoreboard reads 26-23 Buccaneers. They aren't. They're going to ask, did you win? Did you find a way to win? I mean, for example, at the end of this year, another team that we'll see in December, the Baltimore Ravens may be fighting for their playoff lives at the end of this year with Cincinnati and Pittsburgh in their division and the AFC wildcard. They lost to the Cleveland Browns in an overtime game in Cleveland. It's a game that may end up costing the Ravens a division title, a playoff spot. It could cost them anything at the end of the year. We'll see. They didn't win the game. So uh, take the victory. It doesn't matter how it happened. It only matters that you did win and you snapped a three-game losing streak and you now get some confidence back moving forward. All right, so let's, uh, let's further set the table. We've got highlights straight ahead. You're going to hear from Chandler Canton Zero. You're going to hear from Jameis Winston. Look, I'll be the first one to tell you. He, will, he would also say it to you. He didn't play his best football. From about the second quarter on, Jameis Winston was not the same player that we saw in Atlanta, especially in the second half that was composed. Jameis did a great job with his feet for a lot of this game. But uh, clearly, as the game wore on, he was struggling. He was struggling to lead the team on drives. Uh, Look, I know it's not all entirely his fault. The offensive line's got to hold up in front of him. That was a problem. O.J. Howard's got to hang on to that pass in the fourth quarter when the Bucs are driving and trying to put the game away. He does not. Left the door open for Baker Mayfield, the rookie from Cleveland and from Oklahoma, and the Heisman Trophy winner to go make a play. And Jarvis Landry's a Pro Bowl caliber off uh, wide receiver, offensive weapon. He makes a great play on the tying touchdown catch. Look, there were plays to be made besides Jameis Winston. But Jameis had three turnovers yesterday. When you take into account the sack fumble by Miles Garrett, some of that is on Donovan Smith not getting him blocked. Give credit to Garrett. He's a tremendous pass rusher. Some of it's on Jameis. Pocket awareness and stepping up in the pocket. When you know that kind of rusher is coming around the end, step up a step where it's harder for him to get to you. And that's a huge momentum swing out of the locker room. I was right down there at field level, almost parallel to Jameis when he got whacked. From behind by Garrett, the Browns recovering on the next play, I believe it was. David Njoku catches that touchdown catch. Complete s- air goes out of the balloon right there. And the Browns are right back in the game inside of a minute of the second half. But look, the Bucks kept battling on both sides of the ball. Full credit to them for the job that they did. And the end result is the victory. So we got player interviews. We got a special guest coming up on Nothing But Bucks. If anybody can identify with what Chandler Canton Zero was going through on Sunday, it's going to be Martin Gramatica, former Buccaneers Pro Bowl kicker, Super Bowl winning kicker from the 2002 season. Kicked a ton of field goals in his Buccaneer career. We'll detail dramatic moments from him kicking. Martin now on the Spanish radio call of Buccaneer football. Locally in the Tampa Bay area on 96.1 Caliente FM, he and those guys do a great job calling the games. Se habla espanol. And they were going berserk, I'm sure, long about 4.30 Buccaneer time Sunday afternoon when that Canton Zero field goal went through. So we'll talk to Martin about all of that, and plus, the great job that he and his family with their foundation are doing off the field in our Tampa Bay community. I want Martine to plug the Grammatica Family Foundation, what they do for wounded and disabled veterans and building homes. It's tremendous stuff. You'll want to hear Martine in a little bit as we tease away on nothing but bucks. we waited long enough. It's time. It's time to get to the highlights and bring you the exciting stuff from this matchup with the Cleveland Browns. Buccaneers' first game against the Browns in the regular season. In five seasons at home, Raymond James Stadium hadn't played in the Browns at Raymond James Stadium since a 2010 win when Raheem Morris was the head coach. That's the last 10-win season as well for the Bucs. was a win, and I believe it was an opening Sunday win by the Bucks against the Cleveland Browns that Sunday. Rondé Barber had a big interception return. Josh Freeman had a touchdown pass to Mike Williams, if I recall. That's the last time we'd seen the Browns in the regular season. They had been here a couple of years ago in the preseason in a game That doesn't count, but they were there on Sunday. And and look, the the Buccaneer defense got off to a good start. You knew you had to get after Baker Mayfield, rush the quarterback. That's what the Buccaneers did early on in this game, early and often. They were harassing him. Here you go.
1: Shotgun formation, third down eight. Here's the step. Here comes delay pressure. Under pressure. sack to the quarterback. Mayfield goes down to the 45-yard line. Jason Pierre-Paul. Yeah, Jason Pierre-Paul gets a sack for the fifth game in a row.
0: Again, all of these calls courtesy of Gene Deckerhoff, Dave Moore, Buccaneers Radio. I'm on that game broadcast, the Buccaneers Radio Network. Uh, again, defense did its job. The uh, the Browns punt game with Colquitt pinned the Bucks inside of their own one yard line, and then unfortunately Peyton Barber couldn't get out of the end zone. A safety for the Browns and a two nothing lead. But the Bucks would battle back, would put a drive together, and would end up getting a field goal out of that drive from Chandler Canton zero and an early three to two lead. So the the game back and forth, defensive battle at that point. Let's look with the dismissal of Mike Smith as the uh, defensive coordinator with Mark Duffner in calling the defense. It was obvious at field level, the defense playing spirited football, the coverage much better on the Browns receivers like Landry and Antonio Callaway and and others in that first half. In fact, do you realize the Bucks uh, force not one Not two, but five consecutive punts. They didn't have a takeaway, but they forced five straight punts in the first half of this football game as uh, they're able in that instance to stymie the Browns and then the offense could take over. And they did take over. A six play after one of those punts, 55-yard drive, bleeds into the first play of the second quarter, which was this.
1: First down, 10 bucks to begin the second quarter. At the Cleveland Brown, 14-yard line, we move left now. In all white, play action, make an end-to-round, handoff to Deshaun Jackson, inside the 10, to the 5, 3, 2, 1. Touchdown, Tampa Bay! Deshaun Jackson on a reverse run.
0: That's Deshaun Jackson's rushing touchdown on the reverse, running left, right in front of me, down on the sideline as part of Buccaneers Radio. Great blocking by Alan Cross, by Mike Evans, down around the goal line jackson's 14-yard touchdown run you had a little cushion at nine to two again the the defense stiffens the browns are forced to punt the bucks are back moving the football winston's completing a couple of passes and then Jameis decides to do something here with his wheels
1: winston may throw sidecar left barber here's the snap winston looks looks now he's going to run with the ball Keeps, keeps running inside the 10-3-2. A dive to the goal line. Is it a touchdown, Mr. Ref? Touchdown Tampa Bay. Jameis Winston calls his number and dives to the goal line. Fire the cannon.
0: That 14-yard touchdown run capped off the 75-play drive, and now you're in command at the moment. At 16-2. You're feeling good at home. Unfortunately, Uh, That's when things began to unravel a bit on offense with the turnovers. The Buccaneers would actually turn the ball over three consecutive possessions into the first half, start of the second half. Jameis Winston with an interception. Cameron Braid is then hit and fumbles, and that immediately led uh, to the Cleveland Browns being able to get on the board. Uh, Actually, uh, it was the third period, as I mentioned earlier, the third of those three turnovers when uh, Miles Garrett stripped Jameis Winston, immediately Cleveland is on the field in the first half minute of the second half, first minute of the second half, right on the field, and they're right back in the game on this Mayfield pass, yeah, and Joku came down with it, I, I really thought they could have and should have called pass interference, he got away with the shove one-on-one with uh, MJ Stewart there, I believe it was, that was in the corner of the end zone trying to be locked up with him. Uh, they, but they let that go. They they let some of that pushing and shoving go throughout the rest of the game down the field with receivers being locked up with defensive backs. Not in that case. So the Browns are on the board. The game is 16-9. Now the Bucks got their act back together. Got to stop. In fact, it's another sack from the defensive line. Here you go.
1: Mayfield takes the snap out of the gun, looking to his left. Throws a back shoulder throw toward the end zone. It is a caught ball in the end zone. Touchdown, Cleveland Browns. David Njoku. Tight end, back shoulder throw in the far corner of the end zone. Browns fans have something to cheer about. First offensive touchdown of the game.
0: Yeah, time and again, the defensive line able to make plays, put pressure on. Not just put pressure on, but get the knockdowns, get the sacks. So the offense gets the ball back. You move into scoring range, and rookie Ronald Jones at running back from USC makes a little history for he, and the Bucs get a little more breathing room
1: from the two-yard line the snap handoff to Jones dances into the end zone touchdown Tampa Bay and Ronald Jones has his first career touchdown
0: two-yard touchdown officially for Ronald Jones as Gene called it there his first NFL touchdown catch again all these highlights from Buccaneers radio on Sunday and the victory over the Browns and look credit Cleveland they did not quit they, they put together a touchdown drive on the Bucks. they got a short field after that on another turnover Uh, Jarvis Landry eventually cashes in after the big punt return by by Jabril uh, Jabril Peppers. Um, In the fourth quarter, they get the touchdown to Landry. It sets them up to tie the game, which they do. And then that set things up and set it into motion for the end of regulation, where, again, the Bucs drive into scoring range in the final minute 45 of the game. Chandler Canton Zero can't make the field goal, so now... (laughs) We go into overtime, and things honestly are looking bleak in the overtime. There's no question about that. Jameis Winston here uh, with an interception in the overtime.
1: Second down, 16. Here's the snap. Bucks protect. Pass. It's intercepted. Picked off at the 45-yard line. Browns are in business in overtime.
0: And look, as we go through the highlights, I'm, I'm here to tell you that it was looking bleak. But the Buccaneer defense... Would not allow the Browns to get into field goal range. And it was a former Brown. Again, God love the Browns. Thank you again, Cleveland. That the Browns cut Carl Nassib on the end of this uh, on the eve of the season. Buccaneer defensive end, Carl Nassib picked up after Cleveland released him. This is a guy that had, I believe, six sacks for Cleveland a year ago. Third year player. A guy they drafted a couple of years ago. A guy that's a former Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year three football seasons ago at Penn State. Thank you, Cleveland. Thank you for giving up on Carl Nassib so that he could be in Buccaneer uniform against you on Sunday. Here you go.
1: Mayfield with a shotgun from the 39. they got to reach the 35. Here's the snap. Mayfield looking, looking under pressure. Under but He will go down to a sack at the 45-yard line. Sacked by Nassif his second of the day. A A former Brown.
0: In the grass. It's fourth down. Wow. Big sack in that moment. And again, the Browns don't get into field goal range. They're forced to punt. As I was recounting earlier, so now the Buccaneers can't get anything going after Colquitt Pin the Bucks deep. Jameis Winston took a sack on third down, and now it's the Bucks' turn to punt in overtime. Ten minutes, not fifteen minutes of overtime. Ten minutes, sudden death. Now, now that both teams have possessed the ball, and the Bucks punt here, and you're and you're thinking, man, the Browns are going to have another chance to win the game. That is until special teams. Good
1: snap to Brian Anger. Gets the kick away. This is a good one. Waiting for Peppers, backpedaling to the 24-yard line, looks for a wall, cuts it back again. spun around, keeps his balance. He dives out to the foot. fumble football, fumble football, Box have come up with it. Fumble football by Jabril Peppers, and Tampa Bay is in business inside the 450-yard line.
0: Again, a great hustle effort by Anthony Alclair, a tight end to strip it. Isaiah Johnson is right there, Johnny on the spot to jump on the football. Now you're in position again. For a chance to win this game, and uh, you you have the two sacks. I know there's a lot of scrutiny now about giving up the field position in those sacks for Jameis Winston, and uh, he will admit he's got to throw that ball away at least on one of them. Step up if, the, if you feel the pressure; just throw it away, get rid of it, uh, to save the yardage and save the field position. But you got it; you got to take it all into account. He makes the great throw, the completion to Deshaun Jackson with enough room to make the catch, pick up. Uh, A clean 14, 15 yards and set up this moment. You've probably heard the highlight already. You've seen it all over TV, on Fox, on the NFL Network, ESPN, the Internet. Here it is one more time. Mean Gene calling the game winner in overtime.
1: Here's the spot, the kick. Airborne, Chandler Catanzaro. Is it? Is it? Is it? Is it? It's good! The Buccaneers win in overtime, 59-yard field goal, Chandler Canzaro.
0: 59 yards is the longest sudden-death winning field goal in NFL history. By the way, on that kick, Sebastian Janikowski had won a game earlier this year for the Seahawks with a 57-yard field goal at Arizona. Now Canton Zero, who used to kick for the Cardinals, betters that with a 59-yard walk-off in overtime. Man, oh man, celebration for the Bucks. Exhale for everybody involved. You get a win, you snap the three-game losing streak. Crazy, crazy finish. Uh, And again, credit the Buccaneers for the win. So that moved us into the post-game conversation. Again, you're tuned here to the Nothing But Bucks podcast. We've got much more on the way. You'll hear player interviews coming here. And Martin Gramatica is with me in just a little bit to recap that wild finish and what's going through a kicker's mind. He's been there. He lived it. Good and bad. Much more good for Gramatica, including the Super Bowl season, the winning season of 2002. Martin's going to be telling some stories in a little bit here on Nothing But Bucks. Let's go inside that locker room, though. Post game, Jameis Winston, first of all. He knows he didn't play his best football overall, but it's a team win. You take the victory. Here was the Bucks QB. Well, as you can tell, a jubilant Buccaneer locker room after a dramatic overtime win over the Cleveland Browns, and Jameis Winston stands here. How did this team gut this thing out in overtime? A hey, passion.
2: We had a lot of passion, we kept fighting, and no matter how you put it, a win is a win, baby.
0: At the end of regulation, you guys had done what you needed to do and Chandler Cantanzaro could not make the field goal. What, if anything, is being said now that overtime is going on on that sideline in the huddle to try to hang in there?
2: We just, we're lifting him up and uh, telling him we're gonna give you another opportunity to do it, and and he came and made the count.
0: So many big plays in this game. One that may go overlooked is the completion to Deshaun Jackson just before the field goal where you obviously pick up enough yards to give him at least an outside shot. Describe that play.
2: Uh, we just had to give somebody a chance. Deshaun ran a great route. Uh, Dave was trying to double cover him all game, and he, he, he broke him up. And I put it on the money, and he got out of bounds. to top of the clock, and we won the game. Well,
0: you know, another thing that's going to be scrutinized is the fourth down goal line stop, where the defense came up large on third down and fourth down, complimentary football there in that moment late in the fourth quarter, right?
2: Yeah, the defense played amazing. Uh, when you have a defense that's dominating like that, especially losing Kwan Alexander in the first in the first quarter, uh, that was all teamwork, and uh, and we got to tip our hats off to them.
0: What kind of vantage point did you have on the field goal by Chandler from 59 yards away?
2: Man, I just was praying that he made it, and uh, I told him we going to put it in his, in his uh, leg again, and he he knocked it down.
0: Okay, so this thing was maybe looking like a tie. To get a win like this, one more time, what does it do for the psyche of this team to snap the three-game losing streak that way?
2: Uh, it just, again, it just gives us that extra boost uh, to to keep competing, especially to pull one out like this. Uh, it means a lot to this to this team and this organization. Definitely to be 500. Now it's time to uh, get a groove and start getting some wins together.
0: Jameis, thank you. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Jameis, 32 of 52, 365 yards, did not have a touchdown pass, did have the two interceptions, did have the touchdown run in the first half, 55 yards on the ground. Again, he'd like to have a couple of plays back, taking sacks or throwing interceptions or the sack fumble, but you take the win, and this team got the win, it's a team victory. A team victory that came down to another kick. Missing a 40-yarder at the end of regulation, Chandler Canton Zero, redemption with a capital R. Here he was on our Hooters postgame show after it was over. The hero got a chance to be a hero again in the extra session, and Chandler Canton Zero stands here with us. Let's talk about redemption first. From 59 yards out, what was going through your mind?
3: Just trust it. Got to be honest, I didn't trust the first one. And uh, the team, team put me in a great spot all game, all game long. And um, the Bucks deserve to win this game. <clears throat> uh, you know, that was just a period on the end of the sentence, as I always say. And um, yeah, just very thankful. God's good. Jameis Winston said to us
0: that they knew you were going to get another opportunity here. Did anybody come over and say anything? Did they have to say anything as the overtime was going on, Chandler?
3: Yeah, I think a couple guys came over and, you know, I was just so upset because I just wanted to end it right there. Um, Like I said, the guys deserve to win it right there. Uh, It's a 40-yarder. I should make that every time. Um, But, you know. it's weird how kicking works sometimes and sometimes it doesn't go through the, through the two yellow poles and I uh, just wanted to bounce back and, and make the next one so glad I did.
0: I don't know how much you play golf but were you playing the draw on that because it, it needed to move a little bit and it did.
3: Um, yeah, there's there's some right to left win there uh, all, all game and that's the predominant win in this stadium and I've kind of figured that out so um, you know and on those long kicks I have a little bit of a draw when I try to you know I've got to put a little extra umph into it so um, I kind of played my line, I trusted my line. and. I gotta be honest. I, I hit it really well, so I'm glad. You know, glad we could come through for for the guys.
0: Did you get to see it go through, or were you mobbed at that point? What about that part?
3: <laughs> uh, you know, in, in those situations, I always kind of black out and uh, getting get you know getting his zone and I can't really remember much. But I'll watch it on video, and and um, I'll have fun watching it. It was it was a pretty cool moment.
0: This game could have been a loss. It could have been a tie. For it to be a win, what does it do for the psyche of this team?
3: I think it's huge. You know, um, we've had a little tough time, but we we know we know what we have in here, and we we uh, we're confident what we have in here. And um, I'm just so proud of my teammates today, and so thankful for the opportunity. And it's hard to get wins in this league, and I know that. You know, it's my fifth year doing it, and we've had game winners. I've I've missed a couple, and um, it's tough to get wins. But uh, glad glad we could uh, get it done and uh, move move forward next week.
0: Oh yeah, and and you could tell I was looking right at Chandler, and he was almost a little choked up. About that moment that you, you feel awful. Martine's going to talk about this in a little bit. Martine Gramatica, you feel awful uh, that you've missed a field goal like that and let your team down, and you're hoping for another opportunity. And he got it. And he got the win. 59 yards again is the record. So congrats to Chandler Canton Zero. All right, so continuing with our post game conversations as I mentioned earlier Carl Nassib this had to be sweet for him part of a five sack day for the defense he had two of them here you go with a big defensive end joining me after the game tell me first about being able to pull this game out and win it
4: uh, it was a great win everybody came together and uh, you know we fought to the end and really proud of our team
0: Tell me, uh, in the overtime, I've asked other guys this. I'd love to know what you have to say about this. What, if anything, is being said amongst the defense, sideline, huddle, about trying to get one more chance to win the game? Uh, You know, play till the final whistle blows, and that's what we
4: did today. And Chandler did a great job. Our D-line did a great job, and I'm really happy.
0: You were able to get a big sack in the fourth quarter of Baker Mayfield uh, that's dripping with irony because you began the year with the Browns. Just describe the play, what you did. Huge moment in the game, obviously.
4: Uh, You know, we were trying to get pressure all game. And uh, everybody, uh, I don't know how many sacks the line had, but we did a great job today getting pressure, yeah.
0: Is this one a little sweeter because you were in Cleveland? I mean, all wins are good, but is this one a little sweeter? Uh, this win feels uh, great. It
4: was a hard-fought win, and you know, it feels awesome.
0: I keep joking with the other guys. What kind of vantage point did you have on the 59-yard field goal for that one to go through to win the game? Could you see it well enough as it was curling in? Oh, yeah, I saw it, and I knew Chandler had
4: it in the bank before it even kicked it. Yep, he did a great job.
0: Congratulations. Thank you. Thanks, TJ. Now, look, I know he is a very intelligent guy. Uh, you, if you saw him on Hard Knocks, he was giving the financial advice in the defensive line room, jo- you know, somewhat jokingly, about interest on money and uh, playing the stock market and you know, putting your money away and saving your money. Uh, he didn't want to say a whole lot there. I, I did say, that I used the phrase dripping with irony, the Browns get rid of you, and here you are the guy stuffing the Browns, as it turns out after they gave up on him. Uh, again, uh, Carl, a former Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year, only his third year in the league. Bucks say thank you very much, and he was out on the field making plays on Sunday. Uh, a- another guy that made a huge play, reserve tight end Anthony Eau Claire, who was out there uh, on the punt coverage, the punt coverage that gave up the big return to Jabril Peppers earlier in the game in, in the fourth period that helped Cleveland tie it. Well, Eau is the guy that got the ball out of there and... Uh, He had some great insight into what he did to help set up the game-winning field goal opportunity.
4: So first of all, uh, right before the end of the the regulation, I missed the tackle on the punt. So he went off, I think, to the 16-yard line. And then they scored a touchdown. So I felt really bad about it. So I kind of redeemed myself. Uh, So what happened is he attacked me. So I had to widen a little bit. And then he went inside. I think we had two guys on him. He finally broke the tackle. I was behind him and just saw the ball try to make the tackle and put my hand on the ball, too.
0: Is that conscious or is it somewhat instinctive? Did you consciously think swipe at it and try to get it out of there? I was thinking more like uh, put my hand around the ball
4: because, because I saw the ball like right here. So I would say it's both.
0: Again, great win for the Bucks, and you got contributions from everywhere. Also, Isaiah Johnson, didn't get an interview with him after the game. Kudos to the safety. Who, uh, the reserve safety, who's out there on special teams. He's played some. He's been a reserve at safety. He's also on special teams. He fell on the fumble, set up the winning moment. So uh, great play by him. Levante David is another player to hear from after this game is over. Heart and soul of the defense. No Gerald McCoy because of injury on Sunday. Uh, again, no Vinnie Curry free agent defensive end that you acquired because of injury. Could not play. Neither one of them suited up. Quan Alexander hurt at halftime. Defense would not back down and give up. Here's Levante David. Dramatic win for the Bucks and Levante David stands here with me. So good to talk to you after victories. You were gracious to stand with me last week in Atlanta. Seven days later, wow, what a football game. How and why did this team outlast the Browns and come out on top, sir? You
5: know, uh, it's football, man. You know, you expect these type of games, you know, you, uh, week in and week out, man. Great football teams going down. this NFL, anything can happen. You know, lucky today we prevailed. You know, uh, we uh, stayed consistent. You know, we kept fighting, we kept pushing.
0: You know, we ended up with a victory today. There were so many huge plays in this game. Fourth quarter late, you guys were able to get a goal line stand that was big at the time. You stop them on third down, and then you were part of a group of Buccaneers keeping Baker Mayfield out on the sneak. Yeah. Tell us more about what you saw and did on that play at that moment. You know, we
5: knew that when they were running to Harry and up to the ball, we kind of had a feeling what they was going to try to do. You know, uh, we just reran the same play we ran before. That we got to stop on the on, and uh, you know everybody D lineman did a great job again. Push up front, you know, knocking them back, and uh, everybody else just swarm to the football. Man, that's what it's all about. We preach that every weekend and week out. You know, uh, everybody swarm to the football, we'll be okay.
0: You have been part of wild wins, tough, tough wild losses. All right, to miss a field goal at the end of regulation that could have won the game at home. What do you have to do to pick yourselves up as a team, as a defense, to play overtime where you still have a chance to win, Levante?
5: Uh, you know, it's just part of our job. It's part of our job. You know, uh, unfortunately, that situation happened. He missed the field goal. You know, we got to get back, re- get back ready, prepared to go. You know uh, defensively you know uh, we was ready to go you know, no matter if we had the ball or not you know we just you know we just had to go out there and execute not do too much not do less everybody just do their jobs and uh keep getting offense out offensive football to help us win the game and uh we did
0: that helped uh, the offense get a uh, chandler and field goal range and he knocked it down not far from us right now coach mark duffner is talking to a couple of media members uh, just say something i mean there was a change made obviously everybody's well aware of that Again, you were out there playing, and this defense got stop after stop after stop as this game was going on. Right. You know,
5: uh, Duff is an easy guy to talk to, man. He's easy to talk to, man. Everybody has his respect, and he has everybody else's respect. And uh, you know, know, for the first time, you know, really, you know, I don't think it's the very first time, but first time with us calling the plays, you know. Everybody was able to, you know, had his back, and uh, we was out there executing, for not only for him, but for this football team. And uh, we was able to get stopped by the stop and keep us in the
0: football game. What does it do for the mindset, for the emotional part of playing a five-period game today to pull it out and win it? What does it, do? I know it's just after it's over, but what does it do for this team? I mean, I've been
5: on both sides a Five-period with a loss, five-period with a win. You know, it feels awesome, it feels great. You know, it feels way better than the loss. And you know, the body don't feel as bad. As when you lose. So, um, you know, uh, it's cool, man. It just goes to show, man. We have a, a tough football team to battle, you know, no matter what. And uh, that's what we did.
0: Yeah, Levante David, outstanding in this football game, uh, as well as he made one play after another. David uh comes up officially with eight tackles, seven unassisted, two for losses. Also forced the fumble of Baker Mayfield. We didn't have that in the highlights, but he forced it. Uh, late in the first half, stopping the Browns on fourth down where he stripped Mayfield and the, and the ball bounced backwards out of bounds behind the first down marker. So the Bucks got the takeaway on downs in that instance. It's a fourth down stop. It's not a fumble recovery. It's not going to go in the turnover column. But uh, a, a great momentum shift. Levante also part of the goal line stand in the fourth quarter. We didn't have that. Uh, in the highlights, either so many plays, you almost you almost lost some of these different plays in the highlights. But uh, Levante was part of the stop of Nick Chubb on third down, and then a mass of bodies that had uh, numerous defensive linemen, a Darius Taylor, Levante David in there, keeping Baker Mayfield out of the end zone. The quarterback sneak on fourth and goal. It's a great job by the defense. Uh, in this game as they come up with the victory a team win if there ever was one couple more stats Mike Evans we didn't have an Evans highlight but he had a couple of big catches in overtime seven balls 107 yards OJ Howard five catches 67 yards in the game uh, some tough running Peyton Barber had 30 yards on the on the contest Jameis Winston again scrambles for 55 yards and the touchdown in the game in the end, at Jason Pierre Paul, we should mention too. We're going to ask the head coach about that. Uh, we already did, and you're going to hear that interview about what JPP did. He officially in the game finished with three tackles, another sack, another tackle for loss, and a pass defended as he went down the field and batted the ball away uh, from a player on the defensive side. So just great playing by Jason Pierre Paul as well. A complete team win, a happy head coach on our Hooters post game show when it was done.
6: This was one of those games that uh, in the middle of the first half, you know, I I really had a feeling that we were going to pull away and and run away and hide in this game. But, you know, those two turnovers at the end of the first half hurt us. And, uh, you know, offensively, uh, for whatever reason, we came out flattish in the in the second half. And, uh, you know, we losing Quan Alexander, you know, stunned our defense a little bit, but very, very proud of what our defense did today. The way you know, it's been a, it's been a tough week emotionally for our defense, and then to lose Quan uh, on top of the, on top of everything else, I uh, just couldn't be more proud of them. But this was a crazy game, you know. Uh, safety missed extra point, losing the turnover battle by three. But the bottom line is these guys found a way to win we hung in there we made just enough plays to win and that's what really
0: matters let's start going over some of those just enough plays one of those is obviously the play in overtime where anthony Auclair, the tight end strips jabril peppers isaiah johnson falls on it great hustle because you're maybe sticking your head down a little bit that they're going to get the ball back now they're not getting the ball back and you have the ball
6: yeah, very, very true. I mean, it's it's deflating in overtime, especially a ten-minute overtime, to have to punt. And uh, our defense had, o- had already overcome one very difficult situation. So now, hey, here, here it looks like we're going to put them in another bad situation. So, you know, obviously that was the only turnover we got today. So that was the, that was the play of the game.
0: All right. So now another play that may get overlooked. You've got third and forever, and to have any chance at the field goal, you got to get something. And Jameis Winston finds Deshaun Jackson. It goes down in the books as a, like a 14- or 15-yard catch. Ends up being a very large play, obviously, yes?
6: Absolutely. We were talking on the headphones on that play, and we said, hey, we got to get to the 40-yard line to have a shot. Uh, we we changed a, a couple things on that play to get Deshaun running a, what we call a deep bench route or a deep, deep out cut. And uh, Jameis was under pressure. That was a heck of a throw. Jameis had to let that thing go way before Deshaun broke. But right when it left his hand, uh, they were they were playing loose enough that I knew I knew we had it, and uh, if we got to the forty, uh, Chandler Chandler had made a sixty-one yard field goal in practice with, you know, with relative ease last week. So I knew if we got to the forty, we'd have
0: a shot at it. All right, a fun one because he had missed one earlier, and that one it's almost like golf. He seemed to be playing the draw. Did you have a good vantage point on it going through there?
6: Yeah, I mean I thought that was good right when it left his foot. But here's how much I know. At the end of regulation, I thought that one was good, and I started walking across the field. I mean, it wasn't until the it wasn't until the crowd gave it away that I knew he missed that one. Uh, but but that last one, right when it came off his foot, I thought it was good.
0: All right, to the defensive side of the ball, you had a goal line stand that factors in big in that moment, a third down stop down inside the one, and then the fourth down where they tried to sneak it, a a huge mass of bodies led by Levante David. Again, so many plays, all these things can get lost, but that's an enormous moment late in the fourth quarter, right?
6: Yeah, you're right. I kind of forgot about that with all the other plays and all the things our defense did well today, as well as our R.D. played on third down, getting five sacks,
0: that goal line stand was huge. Can you say enough? Jason Pierre-Paul, I know I keep asking you about him. He is everywhere with sacks. We saw him in coverage knock a ball away. Uh, wreaking havoc is the Bucs' slogan. He's been wreaking some havoc again today. He really
6: has. And and the thing that's most impressive is on a day when you play five full quarters, he's playing almost every play. Uh, and the guy, his motor is, is incredible. Uh, you know, that was a great great pickup by Jason Light in the offseason and I mean I think uh, we've got everything we could have wished for and more from JPP.
0: You mentioned Quan Alexander. We know he did not return. Do we have any kind of update preliminarily after this game or is it wait and see?
6: Well it's wait and see but you know it just doesn't look great right now and uh, it was very emotional in our locker room at halftime. I mean Quan is uh, you know he could easily be called the heart and soul of our team. I mean he is beloved by the players for the way he the way he leads in the locker room and you know it was it was emotional on the field right before the half when he got hurt and it was emotional in the locker room when when he came out of the training room
0: all right so any any number of things could have happened you could have won you could have tied you could have lost to win this game I know it is a game but to win this game the way that you just want it what does it do now for this team in the short term
6: <laughs> well uh you know the NFL is a week-to-week league and all that matters is getting a W that week and we got it. That's all that matters because next week will be a whole new set of groceries, as Bill Parcells used to say. So uh, if we can put four quarters together on both sides of the ball, we're, we're going to be a good football team. We, we, look, we look like world beaters at times out there. At other times, uh, we don't look so much like world beaters. But at the end of the day, you, you get a mark in the column. You either get a W
0: or you get an L. Oh, yeah. Take the victory. 3-3. Three and three. The three-game losing streak is snapped. Congratulations uh, to the Bucks on a 26-23 hard-fought win. If you're wondering, the Browns have now played four overtime games in seven games. One of them a tie with the Steelers. One of them a win with the Ravens, as we referenced earlier. Two of them now losses to Raiders and the Buccaneers. How about this? The record, the NFL record... Since they went into sudden death overtime and keeping records in a 16-game schedule, since the 16-game schedule went into play in the late 70s now, about 40 years of NFL football, the record for most overtime games in a regular season is the 1983 Green Bay Packers. They played five different overtime games that year. Oh, and it's nothing but bucks. TJ has a story. TJ has a story. The first year that I moved to the Tampa Bay area with my family, my father, Thomas Reeves Sr., takes Thomas Reeves Jr. as a teenager at, uh, from Wilson Middle School. Big shout out to Wilson Middle School here on the Nothing But Bucks podcast in South Tampa. I'm a middle schooler. We had just moved to the area. We had friends of ours that invited us to the game and, and brought us on tickets to Monday Night Football. Bucks and Packers. Old Tampa Stadium. Monday Night Football's last broadcast of Howard Cosell. It's the last game he ever did on Monday Night Football. It was the Packers-Bucks at the old stadium. And uh, what an amazing ending to the game where it looked like the Bucks had the go-ahead touchdown from the, from the throwing Samoan Jack Thompson... Looked like he had he had won the game with a touchdown pass in the last minute only to have Bill Capice. Remember the kicker Capice from Florida State and the famous John McKay, Capice is kaput, was shortly after this because he missed the extra point in the final minute of the game. This is not the 37-yard extra point that they kick now. This is a point-blank extra point that Capice misses. The game goes into overtime, 83 Packers five overtime games and the Hall of Famer Jan Stenerud won the game in the overtime for Green Bay in sudden death. Howard Cosell's last Monday night football game and I'm going to do my Cosell on nothing but bucks podcast because I love Cosell impersonations even though the millennials the sub 30 year olds have no idea who Howard Cosell is. He would always talk like this on Monday night football. Cosell would always brag about places he had been kind of cocky, arrogant, and, and things he had seen. So I'm going to do my Cosell because that year that the Packers played five overtime games, they played one of those games, and I believe it was the fifth and final overtime game in Tampa in December, One on Monday Night Football against the Bucks. I remember because I was there, just like Howard Cosell. I was in the house that night 35 years ago. Good God. All right, it is the Nothing But Bucks podcast. Without further delay, someone that can identify completely with Chandler Zero. Good, bad. Missed kicks, euphoric made kicks, game winners, pro bowler, Super Bowl champion. Made a ton of humongous field goals. Let's reminisce right now with Martin Gramatica. A little fun uh, going back down memory lane. And Gramatica has got some great insight now because he's broadcasting games, etc. Let's hear all about that on Nothing But Bucks. Yes, here he is. I have been promising the opportunity to talk with a man that would know everything about big-time field goals, game-winning field goals. Here he is, Super Bowl champion Martin Gramatica, who's also part of the Buccaneers Radio Spanish broadcast on 96.1 Caliente FM uh okay welcome and wow after sunday afternoon and a 59 yard field goal to win it i have a feeling you guys were going crazy a couple of boots over from gene and dave on that field goal
7: oh man that was amazing that uh as a as a kicker i i couldn't feel i couldn't feel any better for him i just felt so bad uh before on the 40 yards so this was definitely uh the, the way to end it and a 59 yarder i mean that's unbelievable too that's a great kick and uh, puts us at three and three, which is amazing. We needed to win this game, so I I, I know, momentum-wise and mentally, this is going to be a huge kick for him, and hopefully uh, from now, you know, he can just build from that kick. That's an amazing kick.
0: As this was unfolding, I key you know, I, I interviewed players on the post-game show about this. Did you sense because the overtime was taking so long, Chandler is going to get another chance? Were you thinking that while you guys were doing the call of the game?
7: absolutely because it was it kept going back and forth you know and and one of the things that we mentioned is like whoever has the ball last is going to win this game it's one of those games whoever has that last chance you know because I know Cleveland had issues with their kicker they have a new guy that did a really good job and I knew Chandler needed another chance and it and and if he had it he was going to be fine you know just uh a lot of times with it with the shorter kicks are actually harder than the longer kicks because when it's a 59 yarder, nobody expects you to make a kick like that. So it probably, probably takes away a little bit of that pressure, even though missing the extra and the field goal before adds the, <laughs> more pressure. I think being that long probably took a little bit of pressure I and mean, just, you know, kind of relaxed and, and swang through. And, but one of the things I like to always mention about this, when people keep saying, oh, he missed another extra point, they're not extra points anymore you know that's i think we should change the uh <laughs> change the word change the name of that because they're field goals you know they're 33 yard field goals or 35 whatever it is i think it's 33 right tj you, I, yes I haven't been paying much attention <laughs> i know it's far i know it's farther than the 20 yard uh, extra point that we used to kick so um you know mentally it, it weighs on you when people say oh you missed another extra point when it's really not i, I compare it to you know, a free throw in, in basketball. Okay, pushing back to the three point line. Now we call it a free throw. You know, they're guys are going to be missing a lot more free throws, and this is the same case on the extra point.
0: I think it's a great point that you make uh, about this. Uh, take me through it because you and we're gonna we're gonna brag on you and your career several different times and moments you've made. But you've been in the past where Canton Zero has been where you've missed a kick. What what is a kicker telling himself? <laughs> as as the game continues and overtime continues to try to reassure yourself that if you do get that next chance you're going to make it what do you what do you remember about trying to reassure yourself forget about everybody else coming up to you what were you telling yourself if that situation presented itself
7: well that that's the thing you just feel so bad because you're letting your teammates down and you're letting the guys down that are working their butts off you know the kicker you know we don't get many opportunities to be on the field we don't get to you know tackle and, and and block and all that so our job is just to put it through. And when you don't do that, you feel so bad because you're letting not only the fans, your coaches, your teammates down, you let everyone down. So now you have to add an extra layer of focus thinking, look, I can't do it again. You know, I have to just, just take my muscle memory. The the things that you work all week and just let it take over. Cause the, the more you think about it, the worse it gets. So it's basically forgetting about it and just t- approaching it. Like it's the first kick of the game, you know, just don't, don't, Either good or bad. You know, if you've made or missed, just forget about it and take one kick at a time. And um, Chandler did a phenomenal job just blocking all that out because I know there's tons of pressure when you miss two kicks before and and now you're in overtime. And you're doing the math in your head, too, as the game goes. You know, I missed this kick early. You know, if I would have made it, we'd be up by one. You know, so the whole game is just like a mental game. Uh, At least in my case, that's what it was because I just hated the miss. So anytime I missed one, I would always do the math. If I would have made it would be up, and and now if I get another chance, I definitely need to make it.
0: Voice of Martin Gramatica, as I mentioned, Super Bowl champion with his team in 2002. You kicked, now I'm going to brag on you for a minute, you kicked one of the more amazing kicks in franchise history. You're going to start smiling even though I can't see you. In 2000, in Miami, in the rain, our radio analyst Dave Moore, the longtime tight end and long snapper, was the long snapper. And Mark Royals, I believe, the, the former great punter for the Bucks, was your holder. I still don't know how you made that kick. It's 18 years later. It was about 48, 49 yards. I'm sure you'll correct me if I'm wrong. In the rain, no exaggeration, Buck fans. This wasn't a little bit of rain. It's pouring down rain. And Martine kicked it through all the rain, through the uprights for the winning field goal. To beat the Dolphins, all right. I set it all up. Tell me about it. Are you, you what, what do you remember about what I just described?
7: No, I do. I do remember. I, I and at the time I didn't realize how how hard it was raining. I just remember seeing pictures or the video afterwards. And uh, but more importantly, it it was a great job by Dave and and mark to be able to snap and hold the ball because they, they they're the ones that have to handle it you know the the kicking part that's the easy part when it's that rainy and that you know that the ball's so slick so they did an awesome job cleaning it up and and um you know we just had a great team you know i always had the confidence on my snap or the hole and the guys blocking so for me it made my job easy not to even think about those things even when we had bad weather but uh but no it was an awesome <clears throat> awesome um uh, awesome way to finish the game and also you know one of their uh their safeties was talking crap the whole game, so it was nice to <laughs> it was nice to be able to uh, go up to his face a little bit after after the game. I always I always. You know, talk a little bit of trash because I knew I had big guys coming, you know, I had my back. So.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you talk it's trash when, when you got you. muscle behind you. I love it. It's like a That's mafia right. boss or something. Dumb, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love it from Martine Gramatica here on the Nothing But Bucks podcast as we're talking about the Bucks' dramatic 26 23 overtime win over the Cleveland Browns. Chandler Canton Zero making a 59 yard field goal to win the game near the end of the sudden death overtime period. And I'm weaving in and out of some memories with Martine. I mean, Buck fans, you may remember this, but you may not realize this. Martine, in the 2002 Super Bowl season, had a couple of uh, monumental games, one of them against the Carolina Panthers. You became the first kicker in the history of the NFL to have three plus 50-yard, 350-plus-yard field goals in the same game. Let me say it again no no one before martin grammatica had ever kicked 350 or more yard field goals in the same game and you needed every one of them didn't get a touchdown in that game i believe it ended 12 nine with you making those kicks all right i'll stop right here because we love this on the podcast what do you remember about that day in charlotte and making all those kicks the super bowl year
7: no as a a personal game that's definitely my favorite game uh just because of the way it ended uh they we punted they bumped they muffed the punt we recovered it you know uh Brad uh, happened to be out. Rob had to be. Uh, we played with our backup quarterback, and then Sean King had to step in for one pass. So it was all like a very dramatic game, and and just to go down to the end like that. And I remember we we had uh, struggled a couple of weeks before on blocking. So I know Warren was on the uh, on the field goal team, which rarely do you put you know your superstar, <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> pro ballers on, on block for field goal. But you know he would do that's that's the type of teammate he was. He would do whatever it took to win, and he was. Part of our uh, of our, our our field goal unit. So I remember, you know, celebrating with him, which I rarely got to do because, you know, he's always on defense. I never never around those guys, but uh, on the field actually. But uh, but no, it was an amazing uh, amazing game. And the the best part about it, Bill had beaten Carolina with the, when he was with the Cardinals the week before with the field goal. So. Uh, so that was that was nice to be able to do it back to back with with my brother, and then I, I did it the next
0: week. How about that, Bill Gramatica game winning kick, Martin Gramatica game winning kick, and if you're going to talk some crap to the Panthers, you got to have Warren Sapp with you. I like that for the muscle, so that's funny too. I love that. Um, so uh, w- when you're rolling along, uh, players often talk in all sports about being the zone in the zone and not even thinking you're almost on autopilot. We always called you automatica grammatica is the nickname uh, when you're rolling along uh, and it's going, are you even thinking about distance or right hash or left hash, or is it almost just second nature, uh, subconscious, not even thinking about it?
7: No, I think once you're in the zone, you don't even think about anything. You know, you just go in there and just, especially if you if you're feeling good, you know. Uh, and I, that's why I'm saying with with Chandler, I think this kick could potentially uh, be that that kick that he needed to get his confidence and just ride out the whole year and have a great season. Because I felt after that Carolina game that I wasn't going to miss again. You know, uh, I just that my confidence just because a couple of weeks before I had missed a really short one against uh, Philadelphia. And and just to be able to have that, or actually the week before, I think it was. So uh, to be able to make those kicks, it, it it helped me just get the confidence for the rest of the season. And I think with challenge the same thing. You know, once once you get in that zone, and a kick like that could put you in that zone and put you, he'll be able to work comfortable this week, knowing okay, I just made a 59 yarder. Anything shorter should be easier, you know. So he'll be able to work more comfortable now, and the pressure. Should be a little bit off his back, especially making a kick like that. So I think uh, this could be the kick that you know <clears throat> triggers you know that momentum and that that confidence that he needs for the
0: rest of the year. Voice of Martine Gramatica, who played. Uh, in nine seasons in the National Football League and, and obviously most known, most lo- beloved for playing with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, you made 155. I don't know if you know the number. You probably do. You made 155 field goals in the NFL, 137 of those Buck fans came in Buccaneers red and pewter. Uh, out there on the field on Sundays in in Raymond James Stadium okay a fun one about broadcasting you have broadcasted in the past you've been broadcasting the Super Bowl Spanish language uh, television call et cetera, of the Super Bowl you're now in the first season of broadcasting Spanish broadcasts of Buccaneer games what is that like for you and your broadcast partners and everything that you're doing there on 96.1 FM what is what is it like for you and those guys
7: no, it's amazing. I mean, it's uh, the first year for the Bucks, so we're, you know, we're we're all learning a little bit of it, but but it's 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 easy when you work with two great guys, you know, Carlos and Pancho, the, those the guys that I work with, uh they've been doing sports uh radio. They've never done football, so they've done all kinds of sports, but so they have the uh the the whole part of the game. They're learning the game as as we go, but they they, they the excitement and the energy they put to the broadcast is is awesome. So it makes it easy for me because they get a long way. They've known each other forever. And I just, uh, jump right in and, uh, we become friends. I mean, they're really good guys. So it makes it easy when you, when you, <laughs> you work with people you like and people that, 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 that are enjoying it and appreciating what the opportunity that they have, you know, these guys have never thought they'd ever call football games. Now that they, ha- they get that chance, <laughs> they're loving it. And I, I've, I've enjoyed it at first. It, initially, I didn't think, you know, and I didn't think how much I would enjoy it or if I would enjoy it. Um, and I'm loving it. It's been so much fun. and. It it feels like you're back on the team even though you're not, you're not on the field you're not playing but it feels like every play is more tense than when you watch it at home on TV you know because you're there at
0: the stadium watching <laughs> no it. doubt no it's like I'm standing down there on the field as he's lining up from 59 yards and I'm going what a moment God Almighty can we even watch if this field goal is going to go through and then it's 59 yards from your vantage point because again you're in the broadcast level about the 200 level of Raymond James Stadium and a little bit down the sideline could you tell that that ball was going to hook through because I peeked out on the side. And I'm like, that's got to hook, Martin, Martin Chandler. That's got to come through a little bit. Got to have a little draw on it there. Could you, could you see that? Were you believing in the kick? There's it was on the way. Well,
7: from our angle, I could tell it had enough. It was going to have enough distance. You just tell it was going to be, you know, long enough. I just couldn't tell if it was. At, and watching it live, I thought it went straight down the middle. I, then when I saw the video from the back, you could see it. Uh, basically, he did, well, he he did the right thing though. with a long with a kick like that, and we talked about it in the broadcast, they were, the guys were asking me what do you, what do you recommend or what do you do. Like what I would do in a, in a kick that long, I would aim at the right upright, and then you then that type of kick, you got to swing a little harder. So as a right footer, you're going to pull it a little bit. So it worked out perfect. Where it took off right towards the right upright, and then just started uh, hooking in, which you don't want to aim it in the middle because then you started in the middle and then it, it pulls left. So no, I think he did a great job. With aiming where he was kicking it, and the ball staying true exactly where where he wanted it to go, so uh, I couldn't tell it was going straight in. Uh, it looked like it was just going straight down the. Down the middle, and uh, and I knew it was, I had enough distance. So no, that was an amazing. Okay, so kick.
0: Carlos, Carlos is calling it. Were you screaming? I you used to get animated, obviously, and the highlights are legendary of you getting animated, <laughs> screaming, jumping up, down. Were you screaming while Carlos was calling it? What What was Carlos screaming? Uh, you don't have to relive it in Spanish, but what What was Carlos screaming? And what were you screaming or doing? Or have you even heard yourself on the replay back?
7: No, I haven't heard the replay back. But I'm I'm much more laid back in the booth. These guys have so much energy that if i start screaming and yelling nobody will understand or what they won't even be able to understand what's going on no that's that's the thing when when um, when you call like sports uh like in spanish like it's, it's everything goes back to the soccer broadcast and the bracket in soccer is so energetic and so fast paced uh when the when spanish commentators call any other sport they call it with that kind of energy sure. so uh, so yeah, these guys were going crazy. I mean, I was excited obviously, but I, I didn't, uh, I didn't, I don't even know what I said or what we were saying. It was just, uh, everybody was excited because it was a, it, for us, you know, we talked about it in the, in the, in the, uh, in the broadcast as well. You know, this is a must win. You have to win this game. I mean, it's not, especially since, you know, Cleveland has been one on the road since 2015. So it was like, we didn't want to be that, that one, that team that broke their, their uh, record, you know, so (laughs) just keep that record going this at least for another week.
0: Yes, no doubt. And and I'm I'm personally and I've said this to Martin privately, I am giving him credit along with Fitzmagic with Ryan Fitzpatrick for the 2-0 start because you guys showed up to broadcast for the first time in the regular season at the Saints, won the game, first home broadcast against the Eagles, won the game. I mean, you guys on Caliente FM on 96.1 have been the good luck charms too for the, for the Bucs to show up and win. Hey, I we'll, love we'll, that. we'll
7: take it. We'll take it. Thank you, DJ. If you give us credit, we'll we'll take it. Now. Oh. No, but it, you know what I what I really like about this team is that they refuse to lose. You know, like they work, and and obviously you're going to win and lose games, but I don't think any of the guys ever give up. And you you're seeing that from the team. You know, they're going to fight till the end, and and, and everybody once you get to the NFL is good. So you win and lose, but you can see this team never giving up. So that's that's what we take out of it, and and that's what I took out of the uh, the Pittsburgh loss. You know, the Pittsburgh loss, everybody could just say, look, pack their bags. We're you know we're we're way down at halftime, let's just quit. But we had a chance to win that game. And to me, that was more valuable than, you know, blowing somebody out because you know you have a team that doesn't quit.
0: Love it. All right, uh, Martin Gramatica with another with us for another moment or two here on Nothing But Bucks on our podcast on Buccaneers.com and however you found us. Uh, again, subscribe via iTunes uh, here. Find us on the Buccaneers mobile app. I love Martin's insight. I do not want you to get away from me here without letting you tell the fans what you're up to now. This man, his brothers, his family do a great job with their foundation and, and uh, with something they do with construction that has to do with wounded veterans etc so explain the SIPS program and the grammatica foundation uh the family foundation and and your involvement with it go ahead tell the buck fans tell the public more about it
7: well no thank you tj this saturday actually was our uh, sixth annual uh, kickball tournament which is our biggest fundraiser of the year for for our foundation we're building uh mortgage-free homes for combat wounded veterans and one of the, the the best thing about this weekend was that we were able to uh you know, reach our, our financial goal to be able to build the next home. And we were able to surprise a veteran at the kickball tournament. Um, and for us, I mean, there's no, no other way to, at least for us, we have to say thank you to our veterans without their, their sacrifice. And and a lot of these guys come back, you know, injured, missing limbs. And, and when you get to meet them and you can talk to them, they're the most positive, nicest guys to ever meet. So, uh, we 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 started this just because we want to say thank you. We we appreciate the freedoms that we have in the country. Thanks to them. So uh, the community has been amazing. The Buccaneers have been amazing. You know, I, I I bother Brian Ford all the time about stuff, and he's he's amazing. You know, it's never it it never feels. I know I'm bothering him, but he never makes me feel that way. But uh, but they're always stepping up and helping out. They're a big part of of, of what we do, and. And uh, yeah, I'm just excited that we're able to select our next veteran, and we'll uh, hopefully start building his home
0: soon. That is unreal what these guys do. And uh, you're mentioning Brian Ford, the COO of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, He's got a heart as big as he is, and for a cause like this, building homes for combat-wounded veterans, it's great. Again, go to grammaticafamilyfoundation.org to find out more about how you can help, how you can donate, how you can be involved with their programs. I I compliment you every chance that I get, you and your brothers, uh, Bill and Santiago, and your family. Uh, I've known you guys for tw- more than 20 years now as a family and a Buccaneer family. You're doing amazing things with this program. Uh, keep it up. And for Buck fans, again, grammaticafamilyfoundation.org is the website. You can also contact the Buccaneers. They'll put you in touch helping out with these programs. So giving back, it- it's special. Um, hey, and one more along those lines. I know you were there speaking of that uh, Monday night game with the Steelers. Tony Dungy was put in the Bucks ring of honor. He was your coach. He was the original uh, coach when you came into the league that, that had turned the Bucks around. He, uh, the point I'm making is he wanted players to be strong in the community, stay in the community, continue to give back to the community long after their playing career. Martine, you are living what Tony wanted to instill with those Buccaneer teams in the late 90s. My compliments to you, but what is it like to be around him now 15, 20 years later? He goes in the Hall of Fame, he goes in the Ring of Honor. Uh, you guys and the, and the Dungies are giving back to the community and still living here. What does all that mean to be part of all that?
7: Well, I, I owe it to Coach Dungy why we're doing the charity work because like, I always tell people in college, you don't have time to do that because you're going from school to you know, to practice to studying. So, I didn't know what giving back was, we didn't learn that in college. That's one of the things that you know, you're so busy with all your schoolwork and, and everything else. But when I came to the Bucks. And then Derek Brooks had his Brooks Bunch program. I know Mike Alstad had stuff. Warren had his crew. So there was a bunch of guys doing charity work. And then slowly you you understand like what, what they're doing. You, at first you don't understand how they can do it or how it gets done. And it all it was all led by Coach Dungey and, and one of the things that I always tell people, he, he wanted guys that were better people off the field than they were on the field. And that's one of the things that he did a great job accomplishing. We had a an awesome locker room. Everybody got along. I... I mean, there's guys that you know you don't see for a while. You see him, and it was like we saw each other yesterday. You know that that type of uh, unity that we had and he created on our team was amazing. So it's, <clears throat> I mean, everything he's earned, he's getting or or any reward or award that he's getting, it's it's all worth it. It's all it's, he earned every every bit of it because he's he's an amazing not coach but person. You know, and I always tell him. He made it hard on me because you know after you play for coach Dungie you're gonna compare everybody to him so uh <laughs> I, I go i wish i would have played i wish i would have played for you last that way i didn't compare everybody or didn't <laughs> or didn't everything i did i was would compare to what we would do with coach Dungie, but now he's awesome i love his family and getting to see his kids grow up and i mean <laughs> my son and nico and and justin are the same age so they were playing soccer baseball football uh, You know, when they were kids, that were in the same class. So to have a kid in the same class as Coach Junji, uh, that was uh, that was that was a little bit weird because I would sit and watch our kids play sports, and I I see Coach Junji as a father figure. So it was kind of an, an odd thing just have a kid the same age, but it was awesome to be able to stand in the sidelines with him and you know talk a little bit about life and everything while our kids played. So it's amazing. I I, I love that he stayed in the community, so we can run into him every now and then.
0: And, Absolutely, and he's a
7: great great things they
0: do and the grammaticas are the same way full disclosure here this is nothing but bucks podcast martine's sons and daughter and my daughters go to the same elementary school we're not going to talk about where that is so nobody stalks or does whatever but it, it was very neat about three years ago and you know where i'm going with this and i'm already laughing about three years ago you came into the class on the teach-in day as a guest speaker and you brought your super bowl ring out and the kids got to put your ring on and their eyes were the size of dinner plates uh i'm sure when you were passing around and my daughter abby is in this in the class with your son g gaston and she got to put the ring on that picture martine is still on my refrigerator three years later i say to you that like every morning at breakfast i see martine Gramatica <laughs> Super Bowl ring on my daughter's finger it's hilarious it's a reminder of martine i love it
7: <laughs> that's awesome well that's the only time i pull out the ring because people ask me do you wear it and it's, you know so big and that. I- I go, somebody might chop my hand off with that ring. I mean, you know, I'm not like the biggest guy. So I say, I, the only time I bring it is to school and I've already, uh, I already committed to do it this year. So maybe we can, uh, we can take another picture with the, with the, uh, the kids getting older and the ring getting older too. But uh, no, I love, I, it. I, I love doing it. I know the kids are excited. They don't, the, the, the crazy thing is I need to go to high school to talk now because the, the younger kids don't have no idea who I am. So that means I'm getting
0: way too old. That is the line of the interview right there. We're both getting way too old because I start telling people about being around the Dungy Bucks and then around Martine making all these field goals and they're looking at me going, I, I wasn't born yet or I was in diapers or I was in preschool. I'm going, come on, we can't be that old. But it's it's all coming around. Listen, again, a Grammatica FamilyFoundation.org is the site to find out more about what they're doing with the SIPS and the the recycled products to build the veteran homes for combat wounded veterans. Great cause! Uh, again, just a quick quiz and give me the the ballpark if you don't know it. How many homes have you built so far through the foundation? Is it five? Is it twenty five? Do we do we know? I mean, you're still building them.
7: Yeah, no, it's six. It's six. We, we try to average at least one a year. It's six, and this will be our seventh. Uh, the thing is. We the the foundation. We, we raise the money and we fund everything. So it's from wow. buying the lot to uh, so when they when the when the veteran gets his keys, all he's paying is for his utility. So it's uh, wow completely mortgage free. And and it, and and we say yeah, it's the Grammatica Family Foundation, but it's really not. It's the whole, the whole community. Everybody that gets involved. It's been amazing. I mean, Cola Banker did a big uh, walk us on for us. Uh, Bouchard Insurance did a five K. So they raised a lot of money for us. So it's not just us, you know, the community has been amazing. And, and obviously, like I said, the Buccaneers have been awesome too. being a part of it. They've helped out a ton. So, um, so we're so excited, you know, it, The unfortunately the easiest thing to do is to find veterans that need homes. So, uh, we can't build them fast enough. So that, that that one a year, the goal is to be able to get to three to five a year, but it keeps getting harder. You know, with the economy getting better, everything gets more expensive. So we have to raise more money, but, uh, we're going to keep working and try to do as many as we can.
0: Love it. Love this man. Again, you can contact him on the website. You'll see him in and around Buccaneer games and the broadcast. Martin Gramatica, thank you. Thank you for everything. Thank you for hanging out with me. Uh, go Bucks! We'll be up in Cincinnati uh, for this latest game, and we'll see if the excitement continues with the team now back at 3-3 three and three after that dramatic win. Thank you for spending some time with me on the Nothing But Bucks podcast, sir. You were great. Anytime, Dad. Thank you so much for calling. So there you go. A Buccaneer victory on Sunday. Love that man and his family. Again, Gramatica Family Foundation to find out more about what they're doing with the wounded combat veterans and building those homes uh, with the uh, recyclable materials that they use, etc. Just great stuff from the Gramaticas. So kudos to him. Kudos to Chandler Canton Zero redeeming himself with the made field goal. And now, ah, you get to exhale for a day or so, and the Bucks will get back to work this week. Hopefully get some players healthy. At the time I'm taping this podcast, we don't know the official word on Quan Alexander. The widespread belief is it's a season-ending knee injury. Maybe, maybe not. Uh, if it is, there's some other guys that have got to step up. Levante David will be one of those, but others in the middle Uh, like uh, Darius Taylor, uh, like Cameron Lynch, like Devontae Bond, are going to be needed. You hope to get Kendall Beckwith, the linebacker that's been injured all offseason, training camp, preseason with a broken ankle from a car accident. You hope to get him back soon to help that linebacking core. Let's get Gerald McCoy healthy as soon as possible. Let's get Vinny Curry healthy as soon as possible because the defense did look better for a lot of that game Sunday. It was a weird game. The defense did a lot of things right and and deserve probably a better fate than being tied at the end of regulation for how well they played some of that is on the offense giving things away with turnovers and short fields and easy scores But again, it's a team win. Complimentary football, go get the victory. Offense did enough to put this team in position to win the game at the end of regulation. Canton Zero doesn't make the field goal. You get back into range, and he does make the field goal from 59 yards. Again, it's a team victory. Take it if you're the Buccaneers, that's for sure. All right, so that'll do it on this edition of the Nothing But Bucks podcast. My thanks to Steve Carney for helping me with highlights and interviews that you're hearing there. Jeff Ryan and everybody uh, with Buccaneers Radio, Gene and Dave on the call. We're headed to Paul Brown Stadium in Cincinnati. The Buccaneers' first trip in there in the regular season in eight years. We were there for the preseason a year ago, but the first trip in in the regular season since back in the 2010 campaign, that same 2010 campaign where the Bucks won ten times. They beat the Bengals that year in Cincinnati. Let's see if the uh, if the wins can continue against the AFC North. You got one on Sunday against the Browns. Let's go get another one against the Cincinnati Bengals if you can Sunday. We're on the air on Buccaneers Radio at noon on the network with Ronnie Lane, John Gilmore, Dave Moore, Gene Deckerhoff, and me on the call of the game starting at 1 Eastern time. We'll talk to you then. We'll be back after the Bengals game, hopefully talking up another victory. Maybe, hopefully, not as dramatic. Let's put the game away. Rest easy in the fourth quarter. Would love it if that was the case. Let's find out coming up on Sunday. For now, thank you for being with us. Subscribe to this podcast via iTunes. Find it after game days the following day through the Buccaneers mobile app, through Buccaneers.com. I'm TJ Reeves, and you've been listening to Nothing But Bucks.